0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily?
1: I am learning that hangovers in your 30s last for a long time, and it's... Yeah, very. It's a sobering, sobering experience.
0: I'm decidedly in my mid twenties. Like I turned mm-hmm. twenty five on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and oh um, my god,
1: this yeah. Wednesday or next Wednesday,
0: November twenty fourth. Yep. Yeah. Oh
1: my god, it's birthday week.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but what that means is my birthday is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving this year,
1: which yes. is already
0: a stupid bar <laughs> night, and it means my Thanksgiving morning is going to be awful. And someone's going to try to drag me to like a high school football <laughs> game and I'm not going to be about it. A uh, high school
1: football game? What? You mean like a, a turkey ball?
0: Yeah, a turkey ball game.
1: Mm, okay.
0: They're all high school around here.
1: Okay.
0: So. Uh, the, my town's like facebook group for the towns already complained because the town we used to play every thanksgiving decided they wanted to play the other school in their town like it was the high school and they wanted to play like the comprehensive school in the town it was like and everyone's still complaining about i'm like this was like four years ago they changed this like please get over it it feels sad at this point
1: god bless town facebook groups i hate them so much i've been they're so funny though
0: I probably would have left my left my town's Facebook group if I hadn't deleted the app off my phone entirely cuz I don't like looking at Facebook.
1: There's a guy on TikTok, I forget his name, it's like Anthony something, and he he goes and reads like he started with his I think he's in New Jersey and that's where they were. Mm-hmm. It was really funny and but now he'll like read random Facebook group threads and groups like that yeah. and it's he finds the funniest things. Oh, it's yeah. hilarious.
0: Yeah, they, they can be very funny. Sometimes they can just be so toxic, though. And I. Yeah,
1: like people have too much time.
0: People Jeez. are too willing to throw their name on just racist sentiments, too. It's like, ooh, ooh. Oh, boy. And not yeah, great. Yeah, you know, not <laughs> great. Not great. But what was great was you first off this transition was great uh that was phenomenal don't mean to brag, mean to brag cut it off for this but to brag about <laughs> it but you got to go to the coastal carolina game with joey chestnut this is the second game you've been to this season with chestnut first one you got to celebrate after with mm-hmm. the home team winning uh and you got to go it was a I mean, it was an awesome video where you got to go locker room in with a few of the players uh, like Silas Kelly and a couple of the others who I'm forgetting right now and had a little food eating contest to celebrate the win with them. So I'd love to hear about that from you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. There was some people trying to write about it after there was a particular article that was written in the Myrtle Beach newspaper, and it was just completely inaccurate about how this all happened. So I appreciate the chance to clarify, but Basically, um, you know, I've been friends with Joey Chesnut a long time, and we have been Kim and Montora and I have been trying to put together some sort of food football related thing. And it hasn't we haven't quite found the right vehicle, so we've been workshopping different things. Like the Notre Dame Cincinnati game was fun, but we didn't it didn't pan out the way we wanted to from his perspective. Although it
0: was a Notre Dame home game, so to do the challenge yet of the home team
1: win well no and not not even that like because because honestly the post game challenge is the post game thing was very specific to coastal carolina because they do a a celebration after every game so their coaches approached me about that and we've been working on that for weeks but we want to do something special at each school we go to and i think i'm going to have to deep dive into more unique stuff about i'm not sure what we would have done at notre dame Um, we were trying to work with the offensive line a little bit because they Mm -hmm. have uh, you know, the NIL deal with the, the barbecue place. And mm-hmm. um, anyways, but he neither here nor there. It was an incredible weekend. And from the start, I mean, we get there and we were taking on a tour of the campus and we got to see those bronze statues of the Chanticleers. Um, and we got to see the end of practice. I mean, we, we met with Coach Korn, who's offensive coordinator, and he's the one who who was the featured coach this week. So each week at Coastal Carolina, a different coach gets to host and come up with the theme for the post-game um celebration and it becomes a theme throughout the week so coach corn focused on like eating up the competition like a hunger for you know Mm -hmm. wins and like and they the whole thing was hot dog joey chestnut themed all week like they Mm -hmm. they showed the competitions he's been in they show i told him to screen the 30 for 30 like it was just incredible so um we met with him we met with this brother colton corn who is the director of player personnel he's incredible and then jamie chadwell the head coach ambles into the office as we're sitting there And we just chatted for him with, for like 30 minutes, he takes us into his office and it was incredible. He was the coolest, most down to earth head coach I've ever met. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. And there's a really fun story that I'm actually writing right now. That's gonna be up on the site this week about an interaction between him and Joey in their office. That was very unique. So look forward to that. Um, And then the contest itself was great. The game was not so great. There was a point where it was tied and we were like, "Uh uh-oh. It was scary because joey and he'll kill me for saying this but when we were in coach corn's office joey we're all talking and joey goes okay so like what happens if you guys don't win and everybody in the room including myself and kim just stopped what we were doing and we were like why would you say that why would you even speak it that into an existence right can't like, bring it up right so awesome i was like work. joey The whole day i was like joey this is your fault that they're tied this is your fault if they lose like this is on you but it turned out you know it oh my god i'm so sorry okay it turned out yeah my mom my mom's calling me um it turned out it was fine they won so we went into the locker room which it was such an incredible experience especially for media members we were not usually allowed in there kim was in there shooting it she got a whole um GoPro video that's up on her Instagram so if you guys want to look at that it's incredible and then yeah I, I was positioned right in front it was the pizza eating contest and they each had to finish a large pizza in two minutes now nobody finished
0: um, so Joey we came
1: Joey did not he was I think one slice shy which I was surprised um, I think if we hadn't gone to the local campus bar the night before then maybe he would have finished the rest mm-hmm. of it but he wasn't
0: in training shape
1: we definitely went out the night before and it okay. was There was like Barstool post about it, like about how he had been at this place called Tongi's. So um, I think, but he still, you know, he won. And then the next player was Silas Kelly and he actually got very close. Like, I think he was only a couple slices short. He's a very impressive eater. And then it was three players. So Silas Kelly, and then it was Charles Overton, who's the uh, punter. And he's the one that I pushed for because they weren't going to do a special teams guy. And I was like, you have to do a special teams. Kickers
0: matter too. Yeah,
1: they do. There are people. So he goes in and then there was a Trey Carter who was in the middle and he was a a, a lineman and he just, did not do very well and people were
0: I, was, I saw people commenting about online. what's going yeah. on the linemen not keeping up yeah
1: not a great representation from him but honestly to be fair you guys they had no idea that this was happening they knew Joey was at the game because it was shown but they the players did not know that they were going to be doing this that he was even coming in the locker room and they didn't know there'd be an eating component so these guys walked off the field and tried to eat you know pizza in two minutes after playing a, a football game so you know fair is fair to give them that credit but yeah absolutely, it was incredible and then we went in the limo with them after the game so fun um with the players that have the nil deal which was cool and then we went out in myrtle beach later so um it was it was a heck of a time dan
0: that's awesome i'm, I'm pretty jealous that you got to do that but you know I enjoyed everything from my couch. So
1: well, I'm glad good. I hope you saw, I hope, you know, you got to see as much I, as you wanted, but I, I made, I'm surprised.
0: I mean, the video went scans. viral. I made nachos.
1: <laughs> okay. That sounds pretty good. That's fine. That sounds good. So, it
0: was my you got to see Saturday. more
1: football than I did. I got to see a pretty subpar game between the two teams, to be honest. But
0: I mean, there wasn't a ton of great games this week across no? college football, a lot of blowouts because it's, it's that week before rivalry week right. for a lot of big name teams kind of take it off especially in the sec they take it off whatever you know i mean even in the american there was like one game i thought that was enjoyable to watch like the rest of them were blowouts if you look across the board the
1: ecu navy game
0: yeah by far the best yeah. game of the week yeah think, like arguably the best game in all of college football this week but
1: i gotta tell you i was very disappointed in smu this weekend
0: shocked but not surprised
1: not surprised but disappointed like come on this is exactly
0: what they did last year against where they got rolled over and that was at home for them last year where they got rolled over it's just crazy we'll talk about that one i think i've got that one towards the middle of our games to talk about but
1: well thank you for letting me wax poetic about the chanter players (laughs)
0: absolutely because that's awesome and you know go, like, why not wax think about
1: it? It was, everybody should go to a game at Coastal. It was incredible. The environment, like the people, the atmosphere, like the whole town of Conway, South Carolina is so cool. And mm-hmm. everybody at the school is still welcoming, you know, and as a female in this industry, that is not always the case. And there's been plenty of places that have been not fun to navigate. People are not helpful, but luckily, you know, I've been fortunate to find some good ones. Colorado State was incredible. and And now Coastal Carolina is one that's going to be home for us for a while, no. so
0: absolutely absolutely all right Mm -hmm. why don't we get into this slate of AAC games because we've got a full week to get through here and Mm -hmm. you know we got power through uh
1: (laughs) and I'm tired
0: (laughs) yeah and you're tired just got back from South Carolina you live in the Bay Area yeah quick flight. no I gotcha uh all right so we'll start with the Friday game that was Memphis 13 Houston 31 the dreaded comb over score uh (laughs) I'll start real quick without it. Okay. Donovan Mutin, a uh, really scary injury where he had to be taken off on a stretcher in the first half. I oh, you know. heard he was released from the hospital and was doing okay, but it was scary. So I wanted to throw that out there that I heard he was all right. Because it was one of those injuries. Uh 21 to three at the half Houston was leading the third quarter Houston got sloppy in this game like eight penalties for something like I don't have the exact number in front of me but like 90 plus yards Uh, a couple targeting calls one of which was taken away but it was so late hit uh Dana was got himself an unsportsmanlike conduct calls shouting and arguing about targeting uh it was real sloppy and the game got real chippy in the second half and that kind of Losing their focus, let Memphis stay around in the, stay in the game a little bit longer than they should have. Uh, McCaskill missed some time in the second half being banged up. Uh, you know, But overall, they're still clearly the better team, and that's reflected in the final score where they got their focus back and put on a couple more scores at the end of the game. But, yeah, no, this was chippy. I, it was one of those games where you're reminded, oh, yeah, these two teams really don't like each other. Yeah. And it's been a few years like this. And I just – it slipped my mind how much these two don't like each other. hmm uh,
1: 11 yeah. penalties for 122 yards. That's yeah. wild.
0: Like I said, like eight or nine of those penalties came in the third quarter. That's insane. Including Dana, like, running onto the field, shouting at refs, and, like, getting the penalty. And, like, as they're throwing the flag at him, him trying to pump up the crowd to get louder to boo the penalty more and more.
1: That's it wild.
0: Was, yeah, uh, Marcus Jones. I think he they have one or two interceptions in this game, and Let's he had at least see. one. He had at least one because it was a one-handed like interception.
1: Ooh, I think I. I you know what? I yep. did see that. I was in a bar in South Carolina, and I made them turn <laughs> this game on so I could watch it. But I think that was one of the plays that I did see. I didn't get to see the whole thing. Yeah. Um, he had a game though. I, I'm, I'm gonna look what and else see. Is <laughs> right. Two interceptions. His fourth straight yep. game with was, at least was, one so. interceptions.
0: Yeah, I thought it was two. And yeah, one of them was like a really nice play. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this game went kind of the exact way I thought would, other than with how chippy it got in houston his focus a bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Memphis is in trouble. They've got one more game to win, or they're not going to be bowl eligible this year. Now they, so host, they host Tulane next week. <laughs> but... So we'll see. Uh, great. <laughs> Houston finishes up with UConn next week at home. So the.
1: Yeah.
0: that's you know No worries there. <laughs> yeah. No worries there. We'll talk about UConn a little bit. Yeah. We, we'll get to that. Uh, you know, Houston should be undefeated right now. I'm going to go back to a week mm-hmm. one. You should not have blown that game to Texas Tech. You're a um, better team. You're still the better team. I'm still mad. They lost that game uh houston they should in the college football playoff rankings be close to like between 10 and 15 and not this like 24 maybe we'll rank them nonsense that's its own other thing i don't need to get into that too hard right now because we all know just just how they are they don't respect g5 conferences yeah. they just don't it is yeah. what it is uh houston really really good shot to win this conference and go to the new year six ahead of cincinnati Really I good would team. love
1: that. I would actually, that would be phenomenal. And, well,
0: we also have to, they do have to rank ahead of UTSA in the final standings, but I think a win over Cincinnati being in the American. Would,
1: would give them that, yeah.
0: Even with the loss that I'm assuming you at this point, say UTSA goes unbeaten. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think they'd probably hop UTSA, but that's obviously guesswork. They'd have to, I think they already hop San Diego State or they're close to it. Either way, uh, either way. Yep, yeah, all in that boat. Interesting to think about. Uh, USF fourteen, Tulane forty-five. That's Tulane <laughs> blew USF out. They ran them out of the building. You know what the best part is? is there was rumors that a bunch of the starters on Tulane were out drinking well into the morning.
1: First of all, I you texted me this. Where where where, where did you hear that? Where
0: Tulane Tulane Twitter. Uh, if there's a tulane twitter account called fear the wave uh pretty good if you're interested in just like a tulane account to follow definitely recommend them uh they were talking about i was like wait a minute like what happened i kind of looked it up and it's completely a rumor i need to throw that out there completely a rumor amongst tulane fans but some tulane fans and like students said that they spotted a lot of the players at a bar late into the night and then so they're I'll, more.
1: I'll just say this as somebody who has been around um, several programs, including one this weekend, uh, it is, I, I it's it. not uncommon for their college kids. Yeah. So is it right for them to be out nights before games? Probably not. Uh, and you're
0: one in nine.
1: I mean, you know. they're college kids. So am I surprised? Do, do I think that they're strict to it? Probably. Uh, mm-hmm. Do I think that a lot of other teams also do the same thing? Yes. Yeah. So, to even have that be a rumor that's like circulating as shocking is dumb and shows that you don't know anything about college football programs because the stuff happens. Like, yeah. Kim could tell you stories about Clemson players doing that stuff. Like, it just. Oh, no. Absolutely. I, I know it's just that. It's part of the culture.
0: I know that. But at the same time, it's just. A, it's also I, something it's we don't talk physician. about. Yeah. We
1: don't talk about it. Like, we know it happens. Their kids, they, they get that pass. Mm-hmm. Like, if they want to do that and, like, that's how they want to play their season and they, you know, whatever. It only matters if you're losing and that's why people are bringing it up, but they've done it when they've been winning. So you, you know well, it's
0: funny because they brought up like what the losing, but then they went out and won big. So maybe right. we can go back to that bar next week. <laughs> uh, it probably
1: I mean, will. <laughs> Michael about, Pratt I think getting honor roll honors this week.
0: <laughs> about time. About time. And His triumphant Michael, return to the honors. <laughs> Michael Pratt got Glenn Spencer fired, the uh, USF defensive coordinator.
1: Which is crazy because I would not have thought he could get
0: anybody fired. I don't. Well, Glenn I thought was he needed on, to
1: get. He's going to he, get his own coordinator fired. He, That's he what I
0: out, Well, he might do that too. You never know. But, now, <laughs> but he was hanging on by an absolute thread. Anyway, Spencer was in South Florida. He was. Uh, he he just wasn't right for the job, you know. Yeah. We talked. We've talked about a lot this year how USF has shown improvements on offense, uh, but not on defense, mm-hmm. and you know you need to start showing improvements on defense otherwise you're not going to win games because yeah. you can't give up 28 first quarter points and expect to win. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. But, you know, all, uh, even the offensive struggled for USF. It looked, you know, once they got off script, they struggled a lot. Uh, definitely worth pointing out that sometime towards the middle of this year, Tulane's defense went from liability to asset in a major way, <laughs> like a major ha- okay, around no, the Cincinnati they- game. They swung into being a very good defense
1: they have they played they were good in the Oklahoma game. People forget like they are a good defense. I don't know. well, the, the numbers on prob- the
0: first half didn't say good defense, but the numbers in the but you had half to see some
1: of the some of the things they were doing on the field were mm-hmm. good and incompetent and and show like showing that there is life and good play here. Mm-hmm. The problem is if your offense goes out and plays terrible and doesn't stay on the field, you can't perform as a defense mm-hmm. consistently. You just can't. Oh, so absolutely. They've always been good. They just didn't get the chance to shine like that until the offense actually got their asses in gear. And well, by offense, I mean Michael Pratt.
0: And, well, the offense has still struggled in the past weeks, and the defense has been even better. Like the UCF game, I think that was a 14-10 to 10 final. Like, that was a mm-hmm. very good defensive effort on the road for them. You know what I mean? They're good. Like, they, they've been, I think, gained – it's a first-year defense coordinator. We talk about Chip Long a lot on this, but it's also a first-year D.C. there. I think they've come along a lot more on that side of the ball than on the offensive side. Uh, like I said, they've got a chance to ruin Memphis' this season next week at the Liberty Bowl. I don't want to say I think it would be funny if they did, but I think it would be funny if they did. You know, just because I think the the type of thing is funny sometimes. So I know we should be rooting for as many AAC teams to make a bowl game as possible to do as well and lose as possible because perception, blah, blah, blah. But come on, who doesn't want to see Tulane end on a little high note there? Uh, I love
1: it. I, you know, I do.
0: Yeah. USF next week, they have to go to the bounce house. And I think UCF's going to try to drop 50 on them.
1: I'm pushing big time for one of the players on the offensive line, Corey Dublin. I think he's going to be a big sleeper in in this year's draft. He's an extremely, extremely talented lineman who you haven't really gotten to see kind of the the breadth of his um, talent. And he's, he's just a big body guy, but he is just a physical monster. And the way that he handles guys is I've been watching him for a while and I think, I think he's going to be a name to watch. So. Okay.
0: We'll definitely keep an eye on that for next week's yeah. game. Uh, I think the best game of the week was pretty clearly ECU 38, Navy 35 <laughs> wild. This was a great, ECU. <laughs>
1: Ayler's <game. What?
0: laughs> dominated in this game. Absolutely. Mm. Great game from him. I think he had one throw where I was like, well, that was off target and it was into the end zone on like a fourth and goal from the one, like on a slant route. Uh, no interceptions though and that's what I've been saying I really want to see it was a clean game from him he did that uh, who had Keaton Mitchell the ECU running back going for a thousand yards this year on their bingo card <laughs> because he's a thousand yard rusher that's incredible and that incredible. snuck up on me like, they up anyway, really a, a lot year, of points
1: that yeah
0: absolutely uh, you know in Kyle Avete who I didn't know if he'd play enough because of the injury in Sardin, went and when I he was very good in this game. You know, nice. AC for Navy was awesome in this game. Like their offense looked really good and effective. And ECU, whose weakness on defenses, the rush defense, really didn't have an answer for the triple. It was a great back and forth game. Uh you know, Ken Niamatololo briefly got hurt when players rolled up on his leg and he was down. What? For a little bit. He got up and finished the game. I don't think there's any like Gus Malzon type injury, but he was down on the ground on his back for like a couple minutes, or, like to the point where they get the trainers on him. These uh,
1: AAC coaches need to go to the gym and get yeah. with the strength trainers. Too many injuries or almost yeah. injuries. You
0: get guys in their mid to late 50s, all of a sudden <laughs> the knees don't hold up when they get rolled up on the same way.
1: I am also the same,
0: so I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Mike Houston blew his top two on this side. Uh, really? takeoff return for a touchdown by Navy in the fourth quarter.
1: Oh, they had yeah. thrown a
0: flag in the spot of like a block in the back and picked it up. And mm-hmm. they said to pick up the flag. I he was angrier than Dana was, but he didn't get penalized for it. I like it was he was not happy with that.
1: He, when he gets mad, he's scary. Yeah. Like, you do not want to make him. I mean, he's no, a, such he's a, a nice guy, guy but he's yeah, a he's a
0: big guy, though. Mm-hmm. He's scary i remember like going back to the fcs playoffs a few years ago like they were showing his pregame speech when he was at james madison and you was talking mm. about locking new hampshire in the door with him and he had these keys with him he's like now they're stuck in here with us and threw the keys at the back of the room. oh my god they won that game I, by like 52
1: i love him for that he honestly he seems like the kind of guy that could inspire a group of young men through anything no. so that's why i like him so much
0: i really like him too yeah. uh I also really loved uh, Owen Deffer the walk-on kicker, hitting a 54-yarder to win the game as time expired, and being, you know, carried onto the shoulders yes. of teammates. And uh, Houston said he like he said he had even tried him for like more than, like 35 yards in practice, and it was just like a whim to see if he can make it, and he did. So that was a great way to end it, a great moment. Shane that. maybe had to lose on senior day, but they'll get a shot at the Army Navy game to rectify yeah. that.
1: Well, you, you're talking about their kicker Owen Daffer. He is the special teams player of the week, obviously, for what you just said. Yeah. Um, but I guess it was the longest gaming field goal in program history. Boy, and it was know a that. yeah, and it was a it was the second second consecutive 12 point performance from him. He went three for three on field goals from 37, 25, and 54. He also is tied for the conference lead with 17 field goals. Who's so. So had a good year? Yeah, Very it's quietly. been a good year for for old Owen over there. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: ECU's got seven wins. They mm-hmm. have Cincinnati next week, which you know we know how that will probably go. But you know they're not incapable. Of, you know, doing a few things that might scare Cincinnati. Yep. I don't. Yep. You know, not to get into the preview podcast early. I don't think it happens because you know trying to be realistic about the talent level. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati it's just loaded with talent. Uh, but you know, get to a bowl game, win eight games this year, that's such an incredibly strong turnaround. And like I, at the midseason point, I said, I think I'd go Dana for coach of the year in the AC, but Mike Houston's the other guy. One of the two of them is the clear pick, right?
1: I like Mike Houston better as a person because Dana yeah, that's fair. Dana <laughs> you know? gives me the creeps sometimes, but
0: is it just like a think... weird haircut? Or no,
1: it... I've heard stories or... from people about okay. him like that. I'm that are less than savory, but a lot he of, just, yeah, and just the way he talks, like some of the videos they put out on their social, he just comes across as creepy. And I don't know, I don't know why. Hey,
0: fair enough, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to speak to it because I, you know, don't know. So I'm not going. to Well,
1: but do enough. you get a vibe or no? Did I I, under,
0: I understand where that vibe might be coming okay, from. There we yeah.
1: go.
0: Yeah, uh, but like I said, two hands in the air. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I'll say uh, it.
1: I don't care. <laughs> Well,
0: fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely either one of them. I think it's deserving. I think it's just a matter of, you know, is there both turnaround jobs? Which one do you think? I think Mike Houston had the harder job, but obviously yeah. he's got more wins and is going to the championship game. So wherever you want to fall on that. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Let's talk Hmm. about one of the two teams that just clinched a spot in the championship game, and that's Cincinnati. SMU 14, Cincinnati 48. We really needed
1: SMU to put up more of a fight. Like, this was...
0: This wasn't a game from the start. Like, basically, the first drive first two drives SMU went three and out on and Cincinnati was scoring and you're like oh well this is good and it went very similarly to how the UCF Cincinnati game went where mm-hmm. they went in there and the offense struggled early and Cincinnati got rolling on offense and all of a sudden the game was put away before you knew what happened yeah you know what I mean and it was mm-hmm. you know which is great for Cincinnati that they're doing that against UCF and SMU because more people are watching those games than they're watching them struggle in the first half against Tulane for instance you right, since I mean? they see that box score club. and they go, yeah. What's going on? But like they right. actually watch this game. Uh I think mm-hmm. I think this is the best way to describe it. Is, is this has happened a couple years in a row Since has just dominated SMU. I think Cincinnati is perfectly designed to beat SMU because they're just littered with NFL talent at corner to lock down SMU's receivers, and then they've got a good enough pass rush that you can't wait for them to get open. You need to make that decision quick. So in that quick man coverage, they don't have the option. And SMU fell behind, so they kind of had to throw and they just couldn't get it going. You know what I right. mean? Like teams that can run first against Cincinnati can have a little bit of success. Uh, you know, that's why Navy had some success was because Cincinnati is not great at the run game. They're not bad, but they're just, that's what they're average at. They're elite in right. pass protection though. You know, they're elite in pass coverage. Yeah. Uh, so, they're just like, they play into Cincinnati's strengths, SMU does. And, you know, it clearly they couldn't get anything going. Mordecai had 66 yards on the day. You know, it was just
1: 66?
0: Awful. Yeah, 6'6". Six, six.
1: Oh, boy.
0: It was real bad. That's like a huge
1: just, fall from grace for him. Because, you know, people were touting that, like, Ritter.
0: And he Ritter dominated versus... UCF, who was a pretty yeah. good secondary. Yeah. Like That's UCF crazy. secondary is not nearly as good as Cincinnati's, obviously, but they're young and talented. Yeah. Cincinnati's is, you know, very experienced and very talented, but like he dominated you, know, you like just yeah. last week is my point.
1: You know, what's wild for me in this game is, is Ritter. So we always go back and forth. Like obviously Ritter is an incredibly talented quarterback. That's mm-hmm. not non-negotiable. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not saying that, but there's times when I'm not always sold on, the amount of potential people are putting on his shoulders, right? Like he
0: doesn't have as much potential. People talk like NFL quarterback all the time, and I just don't. I'm like,
1: I don't see it. But I will say this stat from – so obviously he got Offensive Player of the Week honors for the AAC. He had five touchdowns, right, for the third consecutive season. Mm -hmm. How does one person throw that many touchdowns? Like, like, I don't care, even if you're playing the worst teams, to be able to connect that much – Mm-hmm. Um, it is impressive, so
0: no, he's incredibly efficient in that yes, offense. He knows how to yes. run it like it's not the thing a lot of times their box scores are low because the offense doesn't put any urgency on what it does, yeah. uh, especially in the first half they like to take their time, but it's a lot of r p o game and Ritter is incredibly good and decisive in it. He knows what read to make he knows where to go with the ball. I don't love his ability to throw down fielder in the pocket, but in that RPO game, he's excellent. And he's a good enough runner and athlete. Uh, in fact, I shouldn't say good enough. He's a very good athlete. Yeah. So he runs very well, which adds a whole another dimension that you have to control. Mm. I just don't think he's a good enough pocket passer to play, like to put as much potential as people do. But no, he's incredibly efficient and a great leader in that offensive design.
1: And here's one you'll enjoy. He tied former South Florida quarterback Quentin Flowers – shout out for the American athletic conferences, career record for touchdown responsibility at okay. 112.
0: Okay. Quentin Flowers. Touchdown
1: responsibility. That's gotta be something you could put on your resume.
0: That's gotta be like when you give like a point guard in the NBA, like credit, like if they got 10 assists in the game, give them credit for like 20 points of responsibility.
1: I love yeah. that. Touchdown responsibility is something we should all, I mean, if, it's a resume item. It's amazing. Absolutely. It carries over into life, not just football. So yes, that that was my point on this game is that Desmond Ritter impressed me in a way that he hadn't um, prior. And, and that's not saying that he isn't good. Of course he's good. That's not the question, but I have no. yet to be wowed by him. No, you know, he, and this is finally where ex- I'm getting there.
0: He's not explosive. Like other quarterbacks. You right. can to wow, you are, uh, right. you know, Michigan State lost pretty bad to Ohio State. Oregon went down mm. kind of embarrassing. Mm. Somebody
1: said that about Mel Tucker.
0: I know you did. I hope he's I, the joke. I, I know you were at Coastal, but the joke on Twitter was that at halftime, he was going to run in and get on his laptop and onto DocuSign to sign the uh, extension there with Michigan State. Yeah,
1: I think Michigan State's going to regret that big time, but nobody well, asked me, so
0: nobody I, did. It. I mean, now Florida's open, too, so you know, we got all these jobs to fill. No, uh, <laughs> what I was getting at was that since I was ranked number five last week in the college football playoff, mm-hmm. the, a team ranked seventh and a team ranked third, both lost, there's a good chance that they'll be in the college football playoff top four next week. There's a good chance that Michigan jumps them for the sake of having the team jump them because that's just how this works sometimes. But I think I'm a huge cynic about them letting Cincinnati in but Mm -hmm. i'm starting to let myself get this like ooh, they might let an aac team break that glass ceiling for lack of a better term and get into the college football playoff i'm scared i'm getting my hopes up and that's all i'll say about it
1: yeah i think you are but it's fine
0: well we'll see what happens as time goes on because you know going back to like the very first college football playoff when TC was locked in basically. Mm-hmm. And then conference championship week happened. They didn't play or, yeah, they didn't play because the big 12 didn't have a championship <laughs> team. Then and they got jumped because we had quote unquote more information now, which was silly. And, you know, who knows, they could get jumped at some point because we've got more information now on say Notre Dame after they blow up Stanford. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is funny, but like they don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or we've got more information on Oklahoma state, quote unquote, something like that. Uh, <laughs> anyways, moving on, uh, UConn 17 UCF 49, mm-hmm. uh, immediately kind of like a lot of the games this week was over before it started. UCF, you know, scored quick, uh, forced three and out, forced three interceptions in this game was scoring on short fields. Uh, I don't really want to talk about this game itself because it was just one team overmatched the other, and like no one cares that much about hmm. how, you know, that Jenny Richardson yeah. had a really big game. Like, you know that he had a big game. Look at the box score. I right. want to talk about the fact that UCF made a replica civil conflict trophy for the game. Wait, 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 wait. What? I want to talk about the fact that UCF made a replica. Civil conflict trophy for the Did you game.
1: know? Like, did anybody know about this, or was it? Just no,
0: like- they dropped it on Twitter like a couple hours before the game. So,
1: oh my god, Dan, do you think they read their, your article? And was like,
0: I, I, I hope so. I think but, so. So, like, they dropped it because no one knows where the original is. I assume where right. Bob Diaco exists in his current timeline, but I don't know where he exists right now because he doesn't have a job in college football at the very moment. So, like, I can't just look up where Bob Diaco exists. <laughs> like, he could be anywhere off the grid. Uh but UCF made this trophy and put posted onto Twitter, like, oh, look what we have, kind of in a joking, but like, you know, promotional thing for the game kind of way. And then people looked in and zoomed on in the verses on the trophy, like where it says verses was in a different font. So everyone's it's a fake trophy. And then Yukon mm. Football's Twitter account tried to dunk on UCF by quoting it and saying, did you find this trophy the same place you found your fake national championship? I'm thinking to myself. Ooh. First Ooh. off, first Ooh. off, you have one win this year and so you
1: I mean, but off, you got to admire the spunk. I mean, it
0: like, was an effort. It was an effort.
1: Like they got to do something that you can't get rolled over. Like good like, for them for trying to. It's a replica trophy of
0: your fake trophy. Why are you making <laughs> a fake trophy? <laughs> That's true. I mean, if you're gonna, it's a, it's a fake make trophy a of a fake trophy yeah. that mm-hmm. you create. Like it's just such a cyclical joke.
1: Yeah, it didn't make a, a whole lot of
0: sense. Anyways, no no one partied with the trophy after the game, but a couple more videos oh. of it went up on uh, Twitter of it sitting alone on the bench with the UCF wins in the background. Mm. You know, so I think that's the only thing I want to say about this game. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, like I said, back at practice, uh, according to Gus Malzahn, he's been sick the past couple of days. was not specific mm-hmm. with what, uh, but he said that, that makes it unlikely he plays against USF. So that's more of a preview show thing, but... For what it's worth. Uh one last game, we'll power through and this one quick too, because Oh,
1: this is like the quickest podcast ever. I'm proud of us. Uh, you know what? Here's I thought you were gonna go wax way more poetic on that game.
0: So I'm Oh, I'm telling you. Like I thought about it and I like I said, I could tell you Johnny Richardson had a good day. Mm-hmm. I could read that.
1: Mm-hmm. It was a
0: blowout. One team was clearly better. one team in UCF has high three stars and low four stars on its roster, and then mm-hmm. one team's UConn, who lost to okay. all across this year. Okay, Newcastle. but UConn were you happy United.
1: Were you happy with Mikey Keene's stat line in that it was extremely efficient with no interceptions and also barely any, you know, missed mm-hmm. attempts?
0: Yeah, I was happy with Mikey. Mikey Keene has shown a lot of growth over the course yeah. of the season. You know, he mm-hmm. was Cincinnati on the road to was his second career start. Put that in perspective, how hard that must have been. And he was so overmatched in that game. It wasn't fun to watch. It was just embarrassing. It was like, it was a little sad because he was someone who clearly wasn't ready for the moment. It was a little sad because, you know, Dylan Gabriel is ready for that moment, but obviously was injured for it and couldn't go. Uh, And just it kind of took the air out of your sails if you were watching UCF this year uh, and care about how they did. Yeah. You know, but... He's shown just exponential growth. He has not been perfect by any means. He still looks like a freshman at times, but he has grown a lot, and I think that's exciting for the future. Yeah. Um, And I'll say this, UCF is probably going to beat USF next week, I hope by a lot, because that's Mm what, you know, as just a rivalry thing, I hope it's by a lot. You know, back, I remember the last there was a hiatus before they went and joined the AAC together and USF won that last game of it, like 62 to 17 or something like that. And like really run, just, they, they've made a point of embarrassing UCF right? Back when they were in the big East and UCF was in conference USA. Uh, so I'd like for these next couple of years for UCF to return the favor as, you know, a fan, but you know, that's just how it is. Uh, but no, UCF is, going to be an eight or nine win team this year. And that's a pretty good first year with the new staff and massive injury issues. So I'm pretty happy with where UCF's at <laughs> overall. That's all. I yeah.
1: About. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm glad. One team I'm not happy with where they're at. though was Temple. Temple mm-hmm. 10, Tulsa 44. Uh, I,
1: wanna, I need you know.
0: to read this off real quick because it's almost unbelievable. Temple hasn't scored a point in the first half since October 23rd against USF. They had ah. seven points in that game or sorry, they had seven points in that first half, 14 points in that game. This is their <laughs> first time, basically, I'm upset, not score. Like, I wrote about it in my uh, power rankings. I had a lot of things laid out. Their, basic, their offense is basically less than 10 points a game in AAC play with the exception of the Memphis game, you know, which is shockingly bad and shocking that they beat Memphis at this point.
1: Yeah. You know.
0: Dewan Mathis wasn't there because he's transferring. A lot of players have already put their name in the portal. Uh,
1: well, the wildest thing, okay. though, about Temple, have you? did you see – we were talking about the kid that tweeted that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. About Rod Gary.
0: Yeah, and about the strength coach as
1: well. Right, and then there was that video showing the, the guy had put his picture in this kid's locker. Yeah. I – am shocked a little bit that there is that kind of stuff going on and that rod carry that if that if that turns out to be true that's yeah. going to surprise me a bit because that's, i had not heard that about him
0: it's fundamentally flawed culture stuff like yeah. really really bad for the bad. culture of the program yeah. and, and like
1: which would make sense right because 11 of how,
0: players transferred last season seven have already put their name in the portal right? this season that's not a good no. sign no you know it's
1: But I never thought at the end of the day that it was Rod Carey being that guy. I did not think it was that.
0: And I say this all the time to not judge transfers on any like broad spectrum thing. Each case seems to be looked at individually because why is a kid transferring? Is it playing time that they just don't want to waste their career on the bench and they want to go somewhere where they can play? Is it that the coach misled them about how the program would be run? Is it that the coaching staff changed? Is it that, you know, they you know say they're from florida and they went to go play at temple in philadelphia and they said i can't do this far from home i need to go back and play at usf say you know what i mean like there's a right. million reasons that kid can transfer. of
1: course but so that i hate many, when people do like,
0: broad strokes right. for like transfers but when you start to see trends of players right. leaving and the, a lot
1: of them like big I, groups of people leaving that's
0: it was the one that's that a concern. culture problem. A lot of people had that concern with Memphis because Silverfield took over and there's a mass exodus of players.
1: It happened at Stanford. 14 mm-hmm. players went to the transfer portal. And I mm-hmm. tried to explain to people that there's an issue with the culture with Shaw. Yeah, and nobody it, wants to hear it, but it, there is. And now we're seeing it at Stanford that it's mm-hmm. a problem.
0: It absolutely is. Yeah. You know, and it, this can go for any team, but like when, don't judge the player on their transfer, but there's, Sometimes you can judge the coach on how many transfers are leaving, and right now things are an absolute mess at Temple. An mm-hmm. absolute mess. And if that's true, the direction of the team—I don't know how you keep carry another year because yeah. you need to find the money for the buyout. Is what you need to do, as I, I've talked about before. Money isn't flowing freely at Temple right now. No, but like there's people—not people associated with Temple, not the administration—but like alumni fans a lot of them want to leave the american join the atlantic 10 for basketball and just try independence out in football because they the football program is bad right now and they culturally are a basketball school kind of like the way uconn is and they just want to go play their rivals and try to rebuild basketball and let football figure itself out and that's such a bad place to find yourself in they're not a geographic fit for this conference at this point with cincinnati leaving uconn left and Schools coming in are all Southern. Yeah. Um, I don't know where you go from here. If you're Temple, you've got poor facilities. You've got no stadium to speak of. Fans don't show up to your games. You're losing in, by massive margins. It's it's just terrible. It's a mess. And they've got one more game um, and they're gonna lose it. I don't know who it's against off the top of my head, but they're gonna lose it. I think maybe it, Navy. Are you
1: talking about Temple?
0: Yeah, I think it's Navy.
1: I think it is Navy too. Let me just you know, click, but, click click here. Yeah. Or Temple. I, it, this is not what I wanted for you, them.
0: If it is Navy, your last game of the year is going to get running run over by the triple option and cut blocking. You're not going to want to be there. It's just it's miserable.
1: It's it's really sad. Yeah, they do play Navy. Yeah. But, but it's a it's at home, so at least it's not at Navy. So it'll be senior day. Yeah. Which is awesome. worse. Fun. Uh, I'm glad fine. you ended with this game.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like a down- <laughs> No,
1: no. I'm glad you ended with it because it is a hard one to talk about. There's not even Name anybody. itself, I don't
0: have anything to talk about. Kind of yeah. like the ucf uconn game. One team overmatched the other one and Tulsa hasn't overmatched anyone this year. They couldn't overmatch an FCS school to start the season. Granted, it's a playoff school in FCS level, but they couldn't overmatch them to start the season.
1: Right.
0: You know, uh, Tulsa though, beat smu next week and you're bowl eligible that's worth talking about that's good for them
1: Mm -hmm.
0: smu at the end of the year has been known to drop games they shouldn't say last year letting ecu score like six or whatever that score ended up being uh you know so it's possible that they go out there and beat smu i don't think that's you know i wouldn't be shocked i don't they're not the better team but i wouldn't be shocked i guess is how i'll leave that for them uh yeah really really Frankly, boring week of games in the conference. They just uh they didn't <laughs> not, it not our blowouts. favorite week.
1: Not our no, favorite. It, it was a week.
0: lot it's of fine. blowouts, unfortunately. You know, not one good game, a lot of blowouts. Uh as far as our records go, I was five and one, you oh, yeah. were four and two this week. Uh okay. we both got the USF two-lane game wrong. We were both on the bowls. We had seen improvement within the announcement. We were wrong. Uh huh. the new had chosen Temple on a gut feeling.
1: That was before I saw all that stuff on Twitter.
0: Yeah. I would not oh, yeah. make
1: that choice again going back.
0: Well, I guess we know who you'll pick next week. <laughs> exactly. Fair exactly. Enough. Fair enough. Oh, uh, shout out to Don Brown, new head coach at UMass. He's, there you go. Yeah. I knew it was <laughs> there. You That's go. Up. I was just going to throw it in there real quick. No,
1: I'm. I want to hear your you. thoughts. Like
0: uh, My thoughts are he's 66 years old, two years away mm. from a Mass State pension, has 11 grandchildren living in Massachusetts, and wanted to come home to a school he knew and was the head coach of for five years, including a trip to the 2006 FCS championship game.
1: Which there's nothing he, wrong with that, right? He,
0: no, exactly. He It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about right. the prestige of the job. It's about wanting to come home and it's a retirement job for him. I believe he wants to win here and has a plan to win here. And when I say here, I mean UMass, obviously. Of course. But, but at <laughs> the same time, he's in his mid-60s, which at some point age catches up to you. His yeah, best, but don't his you think the that defense just coor- – mm-hmm. his, his defense coordinator are behind him. You saw the downturn at Michigan mm-hmm. over time.
1: Right.
0: Uh, and I don't like retread hires. I've just got a general – Adversion to them you know and at UMass it's very cyclical at the FBS level that he's their fourth head coach they had hired Charlie Mulner, who was the most expensive offense coordinator they could or sorry the least expensive offense coordinator from a power five job they could find he was at Notre Dame before that then that didn't work disastrously so so they brought in uh, Mark Whipple who was the head coach from 98 to 2003 and he was actually uh Don Brown was on his staff at Brown and UMass briefly (coughs) uh, Mm -hmm. as well won a national championship in 98 uh, and it was to appease ours. It didn't work. Then they went and got Walt Bell, who was the least expensive offensive coordinator at the power five level they could find. He had been at Florida state, not any success mind you. Now they're going with the retread that a lot of alumni and boosters like, and that always concerns me. That's just a cyclical thought process to the hirings. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I think a defensive mind is a good thing for UMass right now because it's bad on defense. It's real bad. Yeah. Uh, I think that he'll have a plan. He's got good recruiting ties in the Northeast and he's good at evaluating talent. Mm -hmm. All that matters. I'm just concerned about how much of a retirement job it is for him because make no mistake, it's a retirement job
1: but then don't you think that maybe he's just going to surround himself with good people that like take hopefully, over like he hopefully could hopefully this, build the he's future. Well,
0: he's well respected in the industry right. so hopefully like he brings he's smart in, hopefully he brings in good coordinators who can get the job done and someone right. to transition to the future with i think that's um,
1: the best case scenario hope
0: i will know? say this he arizona offered him enough money to make him the highest paid coordinator in the pac-12 and he turned it down to go to umass so take that pac-12
1: Mm.
0: anyways so yeah it's a bad
1: look the pack 12 is a dumpster fire like all like every year at this time you know
0: that is tough um so yeah i guess my feelings are i'll wait and see i'll be positive about it i don't like giving grades out to head coaching hires because i think they're disingenuous and that's the right word but they're just they're just filler you know right so i think there's room to see positive. There's room to see negative. Hopefully, it's more positive than bad. Uh, but yeah, I want to throw that in there because
1: yeah,
0: any chance to talk? About well,
1: that. I wanted to. Okay, so there's your spiel. Here's mine about the Pac-12 because I'm going to talk about the Pac-12 because I'm going to <laughs> go for it. Um, I don't want to talk about the Oregon Utah game. I don't have anything to say. It's it is what it is. Pac-12. It.
0: Utah yeah. is
1: a good team, and it is hard to play at Rice Eccles. You know, like
0: they embarrassed Oregon though. Yeah, I understand. It It, it wasn't great. If Oregon lost it, that was going to be 27, 24. Yeah. It's not great. Not
1: scoring through almost three quarters of football is not acceptable for a top ranked team. I will say that I was the first one to say, I thought they were the the team, you know, this year they're not, I was wrong. I get it. Mm -hmm. But that game aside, you look at UCLA dropping 62 points on USC.
0: Oh, yeah. Wild. Beautiful beautiful uniforms, though.
1: Yes, 100%. I mean, that game, the the aesthetic is classic in that Mm. game. It's, you know, the battle for L.A.'s soul. We love it. We love to see Chip Kelly winning that game. It makes me happy. So 62. I thought that was a basketball score yeah. when I first read it. When Chip like, Kelly oh, gets on you.
0: When Chip Kelly gets on you, he gets on you to this yeah, day. he's not.
1: Letting us. See, and I'm not even mad that they dropped 50 cuz USC had 33. So it wasn't like one of those 62-0 which I yeah. would be kind of upset about. Did
0: you see uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson's on Robinson's unsportsmanlike conduct cuz a kid handed him a hat to sign and he took it and signed it?
1: I did see that. Yeah. That's very...
0: reps stay in the way.
1: So worst we have the worst re- they have the worst refs in all of football and I know everybody says that but the pac12 really does. they do they, they win. Um, the other two games that I want to say California beat Stanford for the second year in the row for the I ax rock. 41 to 11. and not only that, this was the first time Stanford had had a team break off more than five or six 60 yard runs on them like 60 yard plays Chunk oh. plays
0: Ooh, and you got Kyron Williams coming to town next week.
1: Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's going to be bad. Williams, I'm, I'm going to the game. Kyron has like
0: a 90-yard rush this year.
1: Yeah, like, I'm going. My family and I are going as fans, and I'm just expecting just the worst.
0: So. Notre Dame opened as a 17-point favorite. I think which is, is an easy not enough. Notre Dame. Yeah,
1: I think it's going to be way more than that. Like Stanford, if what Cal means, beats them.
0: But that said, I think Stanford still has a winning record against Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. It was the huh. early years of Brian Kelly, he could not crack Stanford.
1: Yeah. Well, that was Harbaugh, but thank God. Well,
0: it was Harbaugh. It was also Shaw for some time.
1: No, it was Shaw inheriting what Harbaugh built. And then well, when Shaw had to build his own thing, this is what happens. This is what we're getting. Anyways, the more the more interesting game was Oregon State upsetting Arizona State. And I say upset because... I think people thought Arizona State would win that game, even though it wasn't Corvallis, and at Corvallis, another hard place to play. Twenty-four to ten. Oregon State is seven and four on the season, five and three in the Pac-12. Jonathan Smith is doing things. Correct
0: me if I'm Corvallis. wrong, but if they beat Oregon next week, they go to the Pac-12 championship game.
1: You know, I was wondering that. I don't know what the I North – I think it
0: would be a three-way tie with Washington State, Oregon, State, Oregon at that
1: point. Washington State is six and five. Okay, five well, they'd and they'd have three. to win the Apple
0: Cup. I'm assuming they'd win the Apple Cup in that. Yeah, so, I think statement. so
1: because Washington just lost to Colorado 20 to 17. But Colorado's- Washington's going to be
0: playing Heward against Washington State. They weren't able to play him because of the red shirt pool. They were going to have to burn it. So that's a quarterback difference. I don't know if that matters to you.
1: I, I, I don't know that it matters for Washington. I did. This is
0: just, oh, yeah, I mean, they're a mess. Jimmy liked the Arizona mess, defense yeah. coordinator. <laughs> it's
1: crazy. It's crazy. But you're right. Seven and four. So we have a five and three Oregon State, a three and four Cal, which is too bad because I thought Cal was going to be more of a fight there. And then you have Oregon. But we'll see. But Oregon's at six and two. In the but Pac-12,
0: they, they, but six and two would become six and three with the loss to Oregon State, who'd be six and three then with the tiebreaker. Okay, yeah, I guess that's you're my right. thought process. Yeah, yeah. And I think I don't remember who won. Where Oregon. is they the Washington civil
1: war has... though? Let's see. I don't know off the top of my head. It's at Oregon. I don't think. I Oregon, assume
0: Oregon wins that game.
1: Yeah, I don't think. I, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be close, but there's no way that Oregon loses at home after that kind of loss they suffered this week. Just no way. Yeah. But, but what do I know? What does anybody know about the Pac Twelve, really? So no
0: one knows anything.
1: I'm, I'm gonna same. go to the Pac Twelve Championship in Vegas and I'm just saying Oregon know... State,
0: Utah. It's exactly what everyone's <laughs> predicting.
1: Would be I would be so thrilled for Jonathan Smith because he is such a good guy and then he should get coach of the year. Oregon State well, the they'll Rose give Ball. it
0: to Witt, but Oregon State to the Rose Bowl. That would
1: just be incredible.
0: And they can play whoever it's gonna be Wisconsin, isn't the it? The Big
1: Ten It's gonna be Wisconsin.
0: Um, Wisconsin or Iowa. Whatever. Iowa,
1: Iowa, Oregon State would be interesting. I would watch that. I, I think it's going to be Wisconsin at this
0: point, though, unless they lose to Minnesota. I don't know. I don't know the Big Ten.
1: I think Iowa plays Minnesota. Minnesota. Is it Wisconsin? Iowa's plays got Nebraska.
0: Yeah, it's rivalry. So it's yeah. Iowa, Nebraska.
1: Wisconsin has to go to Minnesota, and I could see PJ Fleck throwing some crazy. He's known. It's a big
0: rivalry game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but he's known for his like uh, unorthodox play calling sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. Could we see a little craziness in that game? Yeah, I think that's one to watch for sure. So,
0: I'm old enough to remember when he lost to Bowling Green. <laughs> All I'm right.
1: sure he wishes that you didn't. So.
0: <laughs> and a lot of people wish you didn't remember losing to Bowling yeah. Green. I bet. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything nope. else?
1: Us? That was it. I just wanted to give the Pac-12 Absolutely. some love.
0: Get it off the chest. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so we'll be back a little bit later, probably recording pretty soon because of Thanksgiving for the uh, previews for this week. Uh, I'm, thinking, yeah, I'm looking forward to the preview yeah. show a little bit more than this show, to be honest. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and we're off.
1: But well, don't forget to follow Dan on Twitter.
0: Oh my God, Yeah, <laughs> Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter.
1: And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MLM. And we will see you next time for the preview.
0: All right, now we're off.